passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. As if they don't have too much on their plates. The Kings of Combat Sports Podcast, John and Wade. They'll talk about the things they did that day. They'll analyze the work of Vince and Triple H. You want to smack down. 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 Hello, everybody, and welcome to Rewind to SmackDown. I'm John Pollock alongside Wei Ting, coming out of tonight's very eventful show from Memphis, Tennessee. How are you, Wei? Doing pretty well. Yeah, eventful. Very eventful. I thought tonight's show moved really quick. They had lots of ideas on the show. They are That SummerSlam card is growing by the segment. We are now at 10 matches, uh, probably an 11th if you want to throw in Roman Reigns now uh, for a singles match, uh, taking on the uh, the production uh, team. Taking on some poor intern. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, they set up, maybe maybe he's going to just be like that, uh, the scene you'd get in Street Fighter where you have to like attack a car or something, like he's going to face the production set in Toronto. Oh, wow. Like an actual match yes. with the set. Okay. Hmm. I mean, they got the heat tonight. The, the set literally went over tonight. You know what? I think it was the Invisible Man. Or Invisible Stan, most likely. <laughs> that would be great. Imagine Roman, that match. Like Roman trying to work that match. It'd be fun. Who who on the roster do you think would be the most equipped to do a match against Invisible Stan? I think Daniel Bryan would probably Daniel be great Bryan at it. Daniel probably, he'd be up there. I would imagine that there'd be some really good ones, actually, in NXT, maybe. Um, I'd want more Ronaldo to call it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, like, it, it requires somebody who not only, uh, you know, ha- has a great uh, physical ability, but also somebody with, with a great comedic timing and sense as well. So, uh, in the WWE, I'm trying to think who else would kind of fit that. I think you would need Bryce Ramsberg, though, as the referee. Regardless, maybe, yeah, more. Yeah, he's not available. Moral calling it would be really <laughs> fun. <laughs> I'm just imagining it right now. Man, do you think, well, do you think AEW will ever sign the Invisible Man? Um, I don't feel they're gonna go that route. No, I mean maybe maybe one day they will. But maybe I, for I the buy-in only. Um, yeah, I don't know if Jim Ross would be calling that one. Probably not. Well, we have a lot to talk about on tonight's show, uh, packed edition of SmackDown. We also have some uh, news to get into, and I want to make mention because uh, we have just put up our latest G1 show, and Wei, your uh, your overall thoughts on today's A-Block show. Um, I thought it was um, not necessarily one of the better A-Block shows. Uh, you might disagree, John, but I, I really enjoyed the main event. 
to me, most of the other matches were good, but not standouts. I I was really a big fan of the Zack Sabre Jr. Will Osprey match. I, I thought it was among the better matches of the of the tournament so far. That was my match of the day. And as we go through pretty extensively on the the show today, uh, we now are getting a bunch of eliminations. In particular, in the A block, where half of the field has now been eliminated because. Kazuchika Okada defeated Lance Archer today, and that was a mild upset, I would say, because I was uh, looking at... Spoiler alert. That is not a spoiler at this hour. Come on. Um, so anyway, Okada is still undefeated, and yeah, a bunch of people are now eliminated, so you can get all caught up to date on our G1 show. Yeah, yeah. Please enjoy that as well on our uh, Patreon feed. Tomorrow is our latest edition of Ask Away as well, so you get all that by becoming a member of the Post Wrestling Cafe. Well, if you're a member of the Post Wrestling Cafe, you get something extra on Tuesday nights, and that is our draw to give out a Post Wrestling prize pack exclusively from the Post Wrestling store. Current sale going on throughout the G1, 20% off of everything. But tonight, the winner gets 100% off of everything. That's right, yeah. 20% off for all patrons uh, for the remainder of our G1 coverage. So that's about two more weeks. Uh, But yeah, for now, we're going to give something away. So, John, will you do the honors? All right, uh, we are reaching down deep to choose the winner. Our winner is named. Um, oh fuck, I fucked this up. Ugh. All right, right here. <laughs> Congratulations to K Salongsong from Wow. Um, far, pretty far. <laughs> I don't even know the name of this country. Um, but can you spell it out? I don't even know which part of the address is the country here. But K is somebody who um who's a who's I, I know is a long time listener, so I will have no issue getting this out there. Uh oh I oh I think this is the Philippines. Damn. Oh wow. Damn, that's cool. This is this is not going to be a door to door delivery for you. Uh maybe not this one, unless uh no, I don't think so. I don't think I'll be making it in time. But uh wow, our first uh a winner in the Philippines. That's that's awesome. Wow. Well, congratulations. Uh you are the proud owner of a brand new post wrestling prize pack. So if you want to go check out some of our great merchandise, you can go to store.postwrestling.com. A great sale for another uh 13 days until the G1 wraps up. Yes, that's right. I can't believe we're almost near the end of this G1 way. We're we're getting there. We're past the midway point. We are now getting into some eliminations and uh yeah, we're kind of in we're kind of in that that deep period right now. We're not towards the the final couple of nights yet or the even the final week, but we're slowly getting there. The Osaka shows are always a, a big point of the tournament. Those are coming up this weekend, but you you can now start to sense uh the the mirage that is off into the distance. It's starting to form something. Uh, Yeah, I think so, but still quite unpredictable, I would say. All right. Uh, Shall we discuss uh, what is coming up this week? Yeah. um, You know, we can keep it a bit brief. I think people already kind of get it. Oh, before we even do that, I want to make a note that uh, uh, some of you may have noticed uh, your downloads being a little bit speedier. This has been a known issue that we've been trying to fix for a long, long time. And I'm, Pleased to announce that I think we have finally come up with a solution. We've been in the process of moving our entire feeds from one provider to a different provider, and uh, all your speeds should be way faster now. So hopefully you downloaded the show without any issue. If you have issues, 
uh, please let me know and we'll perhaps try to get to the bottom of it. But uh, for the most part, I think all of you guys should be fine. If not, maybe try resubscribing to your, to your feeds uh, and, and, and trying all that out. But things should be good. And I think everyone owes a big thank you to Waiting, who has uh, worked tirelessly on this big switch. Not only is he uh, asking the probing questions that are circulating throughout the wrestling <laughs> news world, but he is also making sure everyone gets their post-wrestling shows in a timely fashion. Way, you are the MVP this week. That was all in a day's work. Uh, did you? Were you surprised at the circulation your your question generated on Tuesday? Um, it was everywhere. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, Sports Illustrated picked it up. I mean, uh, yeah, I don't. It, it was, it was, I guess, somewhat um, interesting, but not that surprising. It was an interesting clip. If our audience finds it interesting, I'm sure the world would. Well, you can go uh, listen to that. We uh, we actually isolated the clip. If you go to youtube.com slash postwrestling or just go to postwrestling.com itself, you can uh, hear the clip for yourself. And uh, Becky Lynch's reaction to being paired with uh, her boyfriend, Seth Rollins. If you're not aware, they're dating. I had no idea. Yeah. Yes, it's true. Cat's out of the bag. All right. Um, just some highlights this week. Of course, we have the G1 shows. They will continue with shows on Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday. Up on the Post Wrestling Cafe, we'll also have Ask Away Out Wednesday for cafe members. And then up next on Thursday, Rich Krejci will join us on the Cafe Hangout Thursday at 3 o'clock Eastern Time. And then we have two editions of Cruel Summer coming up this weekend as WH Park is going to be chatting 2009 and 2010 this weekend with Mike Murray on Saturday and Striga on Sunday. So some great stuff coming your way if you are a Post Wrestling fan. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Great news. All right, let's chat about uh, some of the news. We had our bounce back for WWE Raw this week doing uh, 2,321,000 viewers. And uh, this was obviously going to be much lower than we saw last week with the Raw reunion. So I wouldn't even compare it to that. But it was down uh, just over 5% from two weeks ago. And this would be, it was kind of a strange uh, breakdown here. It was their lowest number since uh, the end of June, but their first hour was actually pretty good. It was their highest first hour since May 27th. So they had a good start. It just didn't. Uh, it didn't have a giant decline throughout the show, but the overall average was. Uh, it was. It was their lowest of of July. So not not a great number, but at least there was some silver lining to it that there was interest at the start of the show. But um, do you have any any, any I don't know, because I thought this was a show that moved fairly well, that if you were one of those 2.4 million that tuned in at the first hour, I think that the show moved at a pretty good pace that I wouldn't have been turned off by anything. And it's not like it was a gigantic decrease. It, it fell 3.5% in the second hour and fell 4% in the third hour. So we're not talking gigantic tune-out factors. But um, yeah, I there wasn't a whole lot going into this show that necessarily was was hyped. It, there was nothing coming off the Raw reunion that would have sent you back here. Uh, there was nothing on SmackDown that really targeted you towards Raw. It was the announcement that Seth Rollins is going to take on Dolph Ziggler and Becky Lynch is taking on Alexa Bliss. And I don't think anyone is making a appointment viewing for those announcements ahead of time. So I think maybe it was just one of those weeks where maybe some people tuned in last week, they got their fill and they weren't coming back this week. Perhaps. Yeah. 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 Lack of a lack of a hook, lack of a mystery, perhaps. So we will see uh, how much uh, this week. On the other hand, I thought on Raw and SmackDown they did 
on Raw, we had like the big injury angle with Seth Rollins and kind of the big brawl at the end of the show, which I think naturally segues into some kind of match for next week. And then tonight, you had a big cliffhanger with Roman Reigns. So two angles that seem designed to bring viewers back next week to get answers to. So do you feel that that will kind of give things a spike, also being the go-home shows for SummerSlam? I'm not sure how much um, how much intrigue there might be in, in finding out like the who done it aspect, but then again, like I didn't think there was all that much to like all that much intrigue to the Daniel Bryan announcement, and you know it's been speculated that that might have at least made a bit of a difference that particular week. Um, I have no idea, honestly. It's these things are to me are like really tough to predict, so I'm not even going to offer. Other news coming out today: we have. Uh... This was the WWE is promoting uh, their SummerSlam stuff. And lo and behold, the kickoff show way is listed for a 6 p.m. Eastern start time and the main show at seven, which, if I do my math correctly, would mean half of the kickoff show has been slashed. We're only going to get a one hour kickoff show. Wonderful. Yeah. I mean, a kickoff show should really be a preview. And I think two hours is not much of a preview at that point. That's really substantial. And not to mention it would exhaust your audience. So is this a sign that they recognize that these shows are too long and that they're going to be a lot more conservative with with the length of these uh, shows in particular, you know, uh, the big pillar shows like uh, WrestleMania or SummerSlam? I hope so. Let's see. Yeah. And I mean, they seem to be booking this still to be one of those monstrous shows. It just seems they're going to have one less hour to work with. I mean, if you include Roman Reigns, we've got 11 matches and every single match is a singles match so far. Hmm. So I I'm expecting more when you figure that, I mean, look at who's unaccounted for so far, both sets of raw tag champions. I don't know if we'll get a cruiserweight title match in there. Um, there's Daniel Bryan. There's uh, Samoa Joe. Um, you know, there, there's a bunch of other names. They're teasing Ali and Shinsuke Nakamura. That could be another match attached onto this. So when all is said and done, this could be a 14, 15 match show. Uh, oh, my God. And I, and, I, and I wonder if they're going to make it up on the back end that if they have all these matches, maybe the show's going to go longer than we expect because they're cutting off the kickoff show. And I mean, these, these are a lot of matches still. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the more the card grows, I think the more daunting it, it appears. At no point do I feel like the more matches that they cram in that, uh, you know, a member of the audience feels like they're getting more value out of it. If anything, to me, I feel like it's more of a deterrent for people to not watch the show because it's going to be so long or, or at least tune in maybe partially uh, partway through or even after the fact. I do like the card so far. I think that they've yeah, they've added cut it a- off here. I'm good. Yeah, th- th- I would be happy if this was SummerSlam. Like, name Roman Reigns' opponent, and then this is an 11-match show. I don't need a Cruiserweight title match. I don't even need the tag title match, to be honest. No. Like, yeah, that that's a nice addition, but, man, we get pay-per-views every month. Um, You know, you could squeeze in a tag title match if you want just to break things up, but uh, I'm good with 11 matches, and this is, like, eh, it's, a, it's a good card here. I, I, I don't want to see so many matches that... An AJ Ricochet or a, I mean, I mean, pick your match here that is going to inevitably get get cut on time. Like Sami Zayn and Aleister Black, are they going to get uh, more than six, seven minutes? Probably not when all is said and done. Yeah. Uh, All Elite Wrestling, they have signed uh, Marco Stunt to a contract. I guess this does not come to a surprise uh, given his affiliation now with Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy, but... 
What an interesting story with this guy who got booked on SummerSlam weekend last year into uh, onto the Game Changer Wrestling Show. Uh, does that match with Kyle the Beast and is just the buzz of the indie world coming out of that weekend. Gets booked onto All In and here a year later, he signed to a big national promotion. I mean, all this happens within a year and he to me is kind of uh, front and center the example of Game Changer Wrestling taking undiscovered independent talent and making them these overnight sensations. And they've done it with numerous guys over the past year. Yeah. Yeah. And I would maybe go as far as to say, perhaps, you know, AEW might be taking a good chunk of its playbook from seeing what uh, moves GCW has done, or at least looking towards members of that roster as, you know, prime candidates uh, to, to pick like undiscovered talent uh, to feature on a national stage. It's, um, it's great news for Marco stunt. Um, I'm curious to know, you know, how he would function on a more national scale. I think the potential is great for uh, like his character and his story to be told on on a wider stage. Um, we'll see how they do it. It seems like he's going to be a part of the the Jungle Boy Luchasaurus team, which are you know seems to already be uh, proven to be one of their more uh, popular babyface teams. Um, yeah, I'm I'm for it. That to me is like the the hidden value of signing a Joey Janela is that I, I don't know how many more people have like their finger on the pulse of that independent scene mm. more so than Joey Janela. Like he would be on that short list for me. And I think that that's you're bringing in somebody that I mean, to me has a lot more value than just simply being an on-screen wrestler. What, uh, what do you think will happen what, with uh, GCW then? Do they, will they have access to all these guys? Uh, that's going to be, because Jan- be Janela is promoting like a, his last match or something, right? Like his last GCW appearance. Yeah, the curtain call they're promoting. Yeah, so yeah. that like they're very much teasing like his send off. Like he is, you know, he's mentioned that his uh, his full time contract begins in the fall, as do it seems most of these guys. So it sounds like they're going to be, if not greatly reduced, like not doing outside uh, dates once the weekly TV is on. So is that the end of spring break? Um, unless it's. I mean, they've they've already booked uh, a venue for next year's show, so they're they're doing the show. It's just a question of whether it's going to be Joey Janela's show or not, and if he'd get an exemption to be able to go do that WrestleMania weekend, maybe he will. Mm-hmm. It seems like each contract is structured differently. Like guys have outside interests. It's not as though um, everyone is going to be uh, restricted. It just seems like he, uh, Kenny Omega, for instance, he's allowed to do. New Japan Pro Wrestling. So I think each contract is probably a, a unique one for the individual. Well, what do you think of Joey Janela doing the spring break idea under the AEW banner? Um, I don't know. I don't, I, I, it, it kind of feels like a weird thing to take the the concept from the the promotion that's kind of, you know, granted he's been part of that. I, I don't see them doing that. Yeah, I don't see it either. Like we just talked about like, you know, the invisible man and I feel like um AEW at this point would really just be inviting a whole lot of criticism um from people who just you know, that type of wrestling and that type of comedy is really just not for them. WWE Studios and Netflix have announced a new sitcom comedy starring the big show, and this will be called The Big Show Show. The Big Show Show. Okay. The Big Show Show. It begins filming next week in Los Angeles. Ten half-hour episodes. And here's the premise way. You tell me if you're going to be uh, holding on to Netflix for this series to drop. 
When the teenage daughter of Big Show, a retired world-famous WWE superstar, comes to live with him, his wife, and two other daughters, he quickly becomes outnumbered and outsmarted. Despite being seven feet tall and weighing 400 pounds, he is no longer the center of attention. Well, you know, Netflix has a very high standard of quality that um, it, it seems to uphold. And the fact that they decided to greenlight this um, is a bit surprising, you know, uh, of, of all the possible, I think, wrestling WWE studios, even related projects. This this being the one that that interested them. Um, I I don't know if I'm that interested um, just based off of that description, but um, maybe I'll watch the first episode. I think Paul White has a lot of great comedic timing. I'm curious to see how he transcends into uh, a sitcom environment. It's very different from uh, other roles he's had. But oh, haven't I, you I, seen uh, his movie? Um, what is it, Knucklehead? Oh yeah, I did see Knucklehead. Yeah, well, that was terrible. That that was awful. Um, I'm hoping he's in better hands this time. So this is going to be a co-production with WWE Studios and Netflix, and. I guess with Netflix right now, I think they're throwing a lot of stuff against the wall right now because you're seeing so many um, uh, just different studios now that rather than uh, releasing their content and licensing it out, they want to start their own streaming services. And that's you know pretty much the impetus behind Disney Plus and Netflix mm-hmm. now probably just trying to – they are going to live and die based on their original content and not so much relying on licensing outside content. And this is probably a, a natural partnership is, hey, WWE Studios, that has access to uh, all these potential subscribers for us. And why not? It's a, it's a test. Yeah. And, and it seems like there's at least some distinction between perhaps, you know, uh, WWE Studios um, fictitious production and uh, mm-hmm. in-ring, you know, uh, pro wrestling content that they create exclusively for their own streaming platform. So do you think that... Um, do you think this might open the door for more wrestling content on Netflix, or do you see them just separating the two? I see this being, you know, the. I, I think at most it would be utilizing WWE performers into certain vehicles and stuff like that. I'm not imagining much wrestling content on Netflix, although that's clearly the direction WWE Studios is trying to go. It's partnering with Netflix, partnering with uh, that new service, uh, Quibbly, that are doing that. Um, the series that they've just announced fight like a girl or something like that. Um, They've also announced, you know, the HBO partnerships. I think that's what they're looking for is to partner and do some wrestling content and then other stuff like this. Mm. Elsewhere. uh, Oh, that that's all I've got here. Is there anything else you wanted to uh, discuss before we go on to SmackDown? Not so much. Well, (laughs) tonight's show is in Memphis at the FedEx forum and, Wade, do you want to try and retrace our steps over the last week of what was announced for SmackDown over the last week and what happened tonight? No, I have no idea. I don't even know what, what, what was really announced today. So, please. Okay, well, here here's the genesis of where SmackDown went. Uh, we had, over the weekend, the announcement that Finn Balor would take on Dolph Ziggler. That occurred. We also had Big E and Xavier Woods set to take on Drew McIntyre and Elias in a non-title match. Then today that changed to a six-man tag with the New Day versus the OC in a battle of all champions. And then uh, three hours before the show went to air, they announced that it is now Kofi Kingston taking on AJ Styles in a singles match with New Day and Anderson and Gallows in their corners. 
Yeah, I mean, seeing how the show eventually turned out, um, I guess I'm not exactly sure why the main event needed to be changed from that to this. I was kind of surprised that they put together a match where Styles had to take a take a clean fall, um, as opposed to just doing the six man and you know Woods or Gallows or someone could take the fall instead. Um, yeah, I didn't mm-hmm. see why it had to be the singles match over the six man, other than that's what they decided to do. And we also did not get the big women's non-title title match with the Iconics against right. Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville. Now, they did shoot a segment to address this. Uh, they put it up on WWE.com, uh, but obviously this was just scrapped from the show. Uh, the Iconics are with Sarah Schreiber, and they explained that Billy Kay has come down with puppy fever from exposure to Peyton Royce's Doberman. So Rose and Deville show up and confront them. Royce accuses them of slander when they insinuate that they're ducking the match. And then Paige shows up with the Kabuki Warriors and says, hey, we deserve the shot after we beat you by count out. And then Mandy Rose went behind our back to Shane McMahon to try and leapfrog us. And the Iconics just took off as the others just argued. So we have all these three teams that are feuding and two sets of teams that want the title shot. And this is what they did in the parking lot of the FedEx forum. Okay. Puppy fever was the reason. Puppy fever. Yes. This match was canceled. Okay. Well, I'm glad to see the Kabuki warriors are still involved in the mix. Uh, Whenever someday these, these, these teams have their match. um, Maybe it'll be great. Do you see this getting on SummerSlam? I would say no. I imagine this being TV stuff. Yeah, like would, like I, this this card looks so full. I don't think this needs to be occupying a, another spot. Mm-hmm. Shane McMahon started the show on his phone, and he announced that he is not going to be at the show tonight. And he blames Kevin Owens, and said that he had a meeting with his life coach, who told him he needs to focus, and he realizes he has what he wants with Kevin Owens at SummerSlam, and now his aura and glow are back. He's going to end Owen's career, and Kevin is going to have to tell Shane he is the better man right before he quits at SummerSlam. And I thought Shane was pretty great here and in incorporating the use of a life coach. In incorporating the use of the portrait mode selfie promo. He's, he's a heel. Yeah. I think when Shane, when he's not wrestling, he, to me, is a really fun heel to watch. I think he hits the right tone of, like, authoritative, but blissfully lacking in self-awareness to the point of like delusion. Um, I thought I really liked him when he was in the feud against the Miz, but unfortunately it was against the Miz and you can only go so far with him. And also the Miz basically lost every match in that feud, but I think Owens has way more upside. So, so far, like with the strong heel in, in, in Shane, and I think a strong baby face in Kevin Owens, to me, this is all working. Let's hope that, you know, Owens, uh, in-ring performances are, are, he fares a bit better than the Miz. Um, well, who do you think this life coach is? Uh, Ido Portal. (laughs) Well, they made reference to the life coach, like way too much on this particular show between, uh, Shane and Owens that I, I feel like they are trying to build and set up some type of, uh, character. Could be some character at SummerSlam. Maybe it'll be Henzo Gracie. Yeah. Um, yeah. Phil Nurse. Um, they're not life coach, though. Henzo Gracie could be anything. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, I, th- I thought this was a, g- a good promo. And it, and it really feels like they are 
setting this up for the payoff of, of Shane disappearing from television. And it's also interesting the fact that Baron Corbin and Lacey Evans have been notab- noticeably absent from television. Like they don't That's look to right. be figured into they don't look to be figured into SummerSlam at all. Yeah. I think people are um are in need of a break from them, and I think uh, the WWE clearly senses that. So you know, let them have that break. I can see Baron coming back and having a, a reduced role, not being in the main event. I think that would be a positive. I'm very curious with Lacey Evans. I think that she is someone that just needs more time. I think was just radically overpushed, and I'm kind of curious what their next move with her is. If it's just uh, maybe wait till after SummerSlam, bring her back, and in what capacity do they bring her in? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think if there was like a secondary women's belt, uh, she would be in prime position to compete for something like that. But I, I don't really want to see her in the world title mix either on Raw or on SmackDown. Um, I, I and I certainly don't mind them cycling talents out, especially ones that I feel maybe you know, weren't as well received by the audience. It's not the worst idea. Like trying to, you know, just having, it's fine to do these, these cycling, like, okay, we've got a four week build to the next pay-per-view. You're not figured into this one, but you'll be figured into the one after that. And it's not just the same rotation of talent every single month. I I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Kevin Owens comes out and he's all t- teared up. His voice is cracking that, no one should panic that Shane isn't here. They're going to get through it okay. And maybe SmackDown can be about the talent tonight and not your stupid face. And he may be at peace with whatever crap his life coach is telling him, but Kevin Owens is not going to quit. He's going to beat Shane, and he's going to beat him so badly that every time he looks in the mirror, he will know that he does not belong in the ring with people like him. I thought this was a great promo. There was... We didn't need any like witty jokes. We didn't need any punchlines. It was, I'm coming to Toronto to beat the shit out of you. And that's it. I liked it too. You know, they're, they are really like, they're giving him the ball right now. You know, he feels like he is. He's mm, getting over too. Like he yeah. is, the audience is behind this guy. He feels like he's in position to be the top baby face on SmackDown. And I even like classify that him over Kofi. And even Roman, with the way that this this uh, the, with the amount of TV time he's been receiving, and I think um, the type of build that he's getting, he feels like a lot more serious. And uh, you know, it's it's not going to be Austin, it's not even going to be Becky, but um, I think he's getting positive reactions, and he's doing good with promos like this. And what does it say about that the big singles match with Shane, if they go through with it, that it's Owens that gets the the big win and sends Shane away for some time. I know that's not the stipulation, but I could definitely see Shane like disappearing after SummerSlam rather than Reigns. Like this was really tailor-made to be Reigns program, the way they had built this and Reigns even losing to Shane at the Saudi Arabia show. Yeah, that's right. And I wonder how much of that was part of the plans uh, when that Reigns program was initially uh, uh, set, you know, um, who knows, but I think part of that was because people are just pretty exhausted with Reigns and Shane. Um, they never really kind of culminated that with a Reigns win because it didn't feel like it was worth continuing, quite frankly. So um, maybe giving that to Owens will freshen up both characters, will freshen up um, Roman as well while elevating Kevin Owens. Yeah, I just find it really interesting, the handling of it, that even at, uh, what was the last pay-per-view, Extreme Rules, that they didn't even have Reigns 
get his pin back on Shane because, well, Shane's going to have one big loss and it should be at SummerSlam. And instead it was Taker. Uh, who did Taker pin in that match? Did he pin Shane? Yes. Do yes. Okay. So Shane got beat as opposed to Reigns. Mm-hmm. That is kind of puzzling when you think about it. When you think about it, and I think they count on most people not thinking about it and just basically ignoring it and moving on. He says, this is not Shane's ring or Shane's show. It's the Kevin Owens show. And that prompts Drew McIntyre to come out telling Owens he talks too much and announces that they're going to have a match tonight, nails him with the microphone, sends him over the desk on the floor and reveals that the match is now. So we come back from break and these two ended up having, I I thought, like a a really strong match here on television. Mm -hmm. Drew is controlling until he gets uh, run into the shoulder, uh, shoulder into the post. Owens hits him with a cannonball. Uh, they went through a commercial break. They return. Owens headbutts him off the turnbuckle and lands a swanton. Audience is behind Owens. He goes for the stunner but gets dropped with the Glasgow kiss. And then as he's setting up for the Claymore, Owens cuts him off with a super kick. The pop-up powerbomb gets blocked, but then he hits it on the second try for a near fall. McIntyre responds, hits a white noise off the second turnbuckle for a two count. They go to the floor. Uh, The desk gets cleared. Owens is pulled up onto the desk and hits Drew with a stunner on the desk. They go into the ring, super kick, stunner, and Kevin Owens pins Drew McIntyre clean. And I thought this was a really good television match. I like the match, too. You know, they delivered something that felt substantial in ring. Again, you know, the the, the commercial break makes it feel... The lack of reset after after commercial makes it feel like this was a lot more substantial than you know what we saw previous weeks. Um, we saw some really big moves, some really good kickouts. This was a huge win for Kevin Owens. It's not just a win over you know an Elias or something like that. At one time, Drew McIntyre seemed to be one of their most protected projects. So um, this shows that they are very serious about Owens. But on Drew, I think Drew is fantastic. Man, though, like. Over the past several months, as a sidekick to Shane in all of these Shane-centric programs, he's been a real afterthought to the point where even him taking a loss clean here to Kevin Owens, I didn't really think twice about it. I thought it was a logical move because he he is the setup man for Shane McMahon. So maybe it's just a bit of a comment on where Drew McIntyre is lately. But I, I like the segment. I think Kevin Owens continues to really you know feel like a strong character. You know what I liked about this show a lot? Uh, apart from the Finn Balor-Dolph Ziggler match that had the uh, the lights go out and everything, clean finishes on this show pretty much. Great, yeah. I mean, a lot of these guys need it. Um, do you think that Drew and Cedric get a spot at SummerSlam? I mean, that seems crazy to think Drew would be on the bubble for SummerSlam as of a few weeks ago, but mm-hmm. now that we're two weeks out, do you, do you see that match being a, another singles match on the show or Drew being thrown into something else? Um, I do think they will probably put it on the show. Um, it can be, yeah, you know, uh, man, it's such a bloated card at this point. Um, and this card does not need more singles matches. I mean, it mm-hmm. just seems like they're teasing so much now um, that yeah. you could add. And I don't know if you're going to come up with a match that is just one of those matches to get a bunch of bodies into the ring at once, but... Uh, I don't like that for Drew either. See, they already do that for WrestleMania. And I understand, like, okay, everybody wants to be on WrestleMania, so they have to come up with reasons for it. But come on, SummerSlam, like, I know everybody wants to be on SummerSlam as well, but I think we can be a bit more, you know, um, uh, like, picky about who we put on SummerSlam. It's not going to ruin your year to not be on SummerSlam. I always thought it was 
it made the event so much more prestigious when you had a big WrestleMania or a big SummerSlam. And it was only like eight matches. And it was like a big thing to have a spot on the show as opposed to every single person gets onto the show. And it, like it feels more special when it's like, you know, it's it's your select few, the best of the best that yeah. get onto the, the big show. And look, I, I think look, look that at, makes the event feel more important when, you know, it's like it's not everyone gets onto the show. Well, look at what they do with takeovers. Like yes, they're, yeah, they're only everyone gets onto those. They're, they're, it's, it's five matches. Yeah, they're only like what, like fifteen spots open on Takeover, and uh, I'm sure a lot of people in the Performance Center feel really bad that they're not getting on. But when you do get on, you perform at your best, and every single time somebody gets on that show, as a viewer, I know that they are going to give their best because it's a rarity that they might be even on this show. Um, so I much prefer something like that, and the shows are like always amazing. So I think that should really tell them something. Kayla Braxton interviewed Dolph Ziggler. They replayed the super kick to Shawn Michaels, and Ziggler's got two words for you. Too bad. And he went into a procession of insults over the legends. He insulted Mick Foley, who got decimated by the Fiend because he didn't belong there. He ran down Bill Goldberg's last match and hopes that it's Bill's last match. And then he moves on to Shawn Michaels and also mocks Seth Rollins for getting attacked by Brock Lesnar. He, they have announced him versus The Miz for SummerSlam, calls Miz the Kardashian sister, and says that Miz isn't even the best wrestler in his house because he's more afraid of Maurice, and he's the best thing going today. He did everything but woo at the end of this. <laughs> he cut down, like, what, six people here? Like, uh, a bunch of different He's got He's here. got like six programs going on. He He's good for the next <laughs> year after this promo, including yeah, so Maurice. Mi- <laughs> That's right. So The Miz match is official at SummerSlam. They've announced the Miz for SummerSlam. They have announced it. Okay. Well, you know, um, something like I had a thought watching this, like Shawn Michaels thing, and how like they can, you know, they were they're treating like an attack on Shawn, like it's it's like him putting his hands on some sort of deity, and like I I just watched that angle again, and I feel like it would have been way more effective if he attacked somebody who's actually retired and like physically incapable, somebody like. You know, like a Mick Foley who, um, you know, I think when Bray Wyatt did the mandible claw, I thought that was way more effective. But Sean, because we just saw him wrestle, I, 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 I don't really get that same sense of like outrage that I think I'm supposed to. But then I, th- I start thinking about like all the limitations that they must have uh, had recently on for that Raw reunion show. And it made yeah. me wonder if like this whole role that Sean had might have been originally reserved for somebody else. And Sean being one of the one of the few legends who who have clearance, perhaps he had to step in. Um, I don't know, but to me, it would kind of explain the strangeness of, of having Sean here, especially. You know, I, I'm I don't know if they have any intention of building to that Ziggler Sean match. That's a the, it's a great point you bring up. That maybe yeah, I don't know if maybe Michaels was just by default. It's like okay, you're one guy that's cleared to do physicality, and yeah, we can't do. Uh, whoever pick your pick your legend that may not have been uh, able to do anything, but um, they the match that they are promoting is Ziggler and the Miz. But I think that there's there's too much being hinted at here to expect that to just be the match. Hmm. So we'll see what happens. Ember Moon is in the locker room and meets with Bailey. They're teaming up tonight. Uh, this was another thing was that over the weekend, Bailey was doing all these promos on Twitter and stuff, wanting to challenge Trish Stratus and offering her a title match. And Was she not challenging everybody in the locker room? 
Or like- uh, she was. She did specific promos about Trish Stratus, oh. including like a video promo saying that she wanted to defend the title against Trish Stratus. And I don't know what that was supposed to be leading to, uh, but there was nothing mentioned about it on this show. But yeah. That promo isn't happening for, you would think, no reason, but I, I don't know. It was just, there was nothing here. So maybe Bailey was going to at some point be involved. I don't know, but it was kind of strange. Do you think it's out of the question that she decided to do that on her own? I would be very surprised. Like, I don't think they're they're doing promos like that and hmm. uh, on their own. But anyway, there was no reference to it on this show. She remembers how Ember gave her the eclipse last week and said, remember that you're in this position because I chose you to be my opponent at SummerSlam. And if you try to pull something, I am going to kill you. Yeah. Or she said or, she said she'll regret it is what she said. Yes. Well, it, she was insinuating death. Denway, the next visual I was not prepared for on this show. I had to sit back. I was like, oh, God, we're back. I was, I, I, I'm so happy for you, John, and our, our entire audience. Oh, uh, guys, I got up. I did a couple push-ups. I got my fingers ready. And I hit quotations. As I sit here, I can't help but think I'm different and not in an aesthetic way. I feel different, talk different. My redemption lies in the blood of my soul. My salvation, my benediction lies within strive and the willingness of any man to pick a fight with me. And part of that salvation, this is a a terrible run-on sentence, was had by a warrior, a true man. And I salute you, Mr. Cesaro. But how do I move on from here? How do I write the next chapters of my book? Because I find myself in my self-imposed prism, my purgatory, waiting here a little less patiently this time for anybody to catch on what it is that I'm trying to do for me. Dude, this was 122 words. (laughs) Wow. He's uh, back, and he's he back. more long-winded than ever. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. This is a real long one, and I've typed them all out. This was definitely the longest. But, man, he's back in the room after all that. You know, I'm I'm really glad. I'm really glad the, the emergence of Aleister Black out of that room did not mean the end of that room and the, the end of this style of promo. <laughs> they're, they're, they're not really changing the character at all. This is who he is. This is who how he will talk from now on, and I'm so grateful for it, if only so I could hear John Pollock's recaps of it. Um, Listen, if we get if we get matches like he had with Cesaro every four weeks, yeah. and I got to put up with these promos, I'm fine with that trade off. Totally, because that was a hell of a fucking match. Well, that last I'll tell you, I'll tell you what's a little strange though. Okay, because they paired him with Cesaro, who's a heel. They they they're about to pair him with Sami Zayn, who's also a heel, which seems to suggest that Alistair Black is being pushed as a babyface. Um, his in ring certainly feels like like it's a babyface style of match, but then these promos, like they don't come across like a babyface promo to me. They don't come across cool. In fact, they just come across a bit more whiny, but maybe the intent is is for 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 you to just think that these are really cool and mysterious. They don't really When have he that. mentioned yeah. when he mentioned that line about writing the next chapters of my book, I immediately thought of the authors, but I I'm probably reading too much into that. How how would he face the authors of I mean I mean just seeing the, those three as maybe like a unit. Oh, interesting. Okay. 
Um, I mean, they, they've got nothing for AOP going on. It's like, I don't know, maybe maybe you put Black as like this little cult leader or something, but I don't know. It was it was just a throwaway line. It could have been it could have meant nothing. Uh, what? Why was there? Did you notice like at the end of the promo, there's like a little red light that like shone on the, on the side of his face? Oh, really? Yeah. Like, I don't know if that was oh, just a... maybe maybe there's an assassin that's targeting him. Yeah. Or maybe he was he was shot this in Amsterdam. <laughs> could have been. I didn't notice that. Yeah. I don't know if it was just a special effect that they were that they like the was this like, was this like a laser pointer on no, him or like no, a different kind it was of like light? a red splash of light just on the side of his oh, face. Oh, okay. I gotcha. Gotcha. Bailey and Ember Moon versus Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. Um so they got into they got control of Bailey, kept her in the corner, they double teamed her for a while, and, and then they trapped her between the apron and the ring skirt as Bliss hit a baseball side drop kick to her. They continued to double team her. She eventually made the hot tag to Ember Moon, who came in, uh, hit the eclipse onto Nikki Cross, but Cross rolled to the floor. Bliss then got uh, Bliss then sent her into the post, Bailey, and hit the twisted Bliss onto Moon and pin. Sorry, Moon was the one thrown into the corner and then hit with the twisted Bliss. So Alexa Bliss pins Ember Moon pretty much clean here, and Corey Graves demands that Alexa be added to the match at SummerSlam and. I guess she has quite the argument for it, and maybe this is going to be our first non-singles match at SummerSlam, a three-way. Yeah, I guess you know Alexa Bliss. I I can't I can't see as somebody who they they really want to put on the show. Um, the the build leading up to this match between Ember and Bailey seems to have nothing to suggest that Alexa had you know was originally intended to have any sort of involvement. She was simply not involved in the storyline. Um, so if this is their way of, of trying to put her in there, um, okay, sure, whatever. Otherwise, having her pin Ember for no reason, I think, would be just dumb. So it makes no sense to pin the challenger going in. It, if anything, I think that it could have been Bliss pinning Bailey because yeah. I don't think Ember needs to be losing going into this match. She needs all the help she can get. I would have had Bailey be the one, uh, like Ember or Ember screws up or something, or Ember does something to, um, Cost Bailey after they had the agreement backstage, and Bailey could have ate the fall here more so than Moon. I would say. What was uh, Alexa's match last month? She fought Bailey, I guess. No, she got replaced by Nikki Cross, didn't she? Oh, in whatever the match was. Right. Remember, Nikki took her spot. Yeah. I'm gonna take your word for it. I I don't really remember at this point. Maybe you can ask her on Monday. Oh, she's doing the the call. Alexa's oh the next God. one on deck. I, I guess they want. Well, maybe they should have set up her match before she does a media call. Yeah, to promote SummerSlam. So. Yeah. Well, I guess. She, well, wouldn't that be helpful? I guess she has to be on the show then. They might. They might announce it during the weekend. Maybe you're right. Maybe they'll announce it on the on the website. They probably will. Uh, Bailey then helps up Ember Moon and then hits her with the Bailey to Belly. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, I found like today's build for this particular program a little bit confusing. You know, not only do you kind of. Well, you're giving Alexa there's a lot the going on. Yeah, so there's one thing, and you're making the audience really just focused on Alexa after this. Then you have Bailey acting a little he- heelish too, attacking unprovoked. So I think there it's going in a lot of different directions without really a clear focus, at least at this point in time. Uh, and obviously, this was retribution for Moon's actions last week, but kind of similar mm. to Becky Lynch this week, like trying to kind of kind of skirt the edge between these. Babyface characters, but also, I mean, kind of, they're working with babyfaces and kind of doing 
certain heel actions as well that you can take either way. Yeah, yeah. I think it works for Becky. I, I feel like it's it's not worked as well for, for Ember or Bailey. Sarah Schreiber was with Sami Zayn. He's showing up to SmackDown to scope the competition, but all he sees is people complaining, and he thinks that Aleister Black is in pain. He sits in a dark room. He begs for people to fight. What he's really doing is begging for help. He has all this hype, and he knows he can't live up to it, and if he came out from under the bright lights and fought under the bright lights, the illusion would crumble. He needs to be beaten and exposed so the hype can end and he can begin to heal. And Sami Zayn is going to be that man to expose him at SummerSlam. Yeah. I think for a match, they, you know, seemingly like just slapped together, get together out of thin air. I thought Sami did a really good job here delivering this promo and giving us like at least a plausible reason why he wants to face Aleister Black. It's kind of with the premise, though, that you're almost to forget that he just did the match with Cesaro. Like, this is almost a better promo before he has the first match back. Sorry, sorry. We just saw him. Uh, he's uh, saying that that he's 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 scared to come and compete because then he's going to be exposed. It was like, no, we just saw him wrestle on the pay-per-view two weeks ago. He looked great. He just pinned Cesaro. Maybe he means, like, he's scared to compete on a regular basis because he... No, he, he doesn't want to be overexposed. He sees all these geeks on the show. He doesn't want to be lumped in with the 24-7 crowd. He's very smart. He'll only wrestle on pay-per-views. Yeah. It's a great deal if you can get it. I suppose that would be... Yeah, that's right. But, you know, I, they, they want to put this match on, on uh, SummerSlam because I think uh, they want to feature Aleister Black on SummerSlam. But, man, like, wouldn't a, a match like this have been really nice um, to have, like, on, like, a stomping grounds or, I don't know, like, any of the sh- the... the f- 15 shows we might have had in between WrestleMania and SummerSlam. Like, smack Bill. <laughs> but I'm looking at like the SummerSlam card with 15 matches, and I think a lot of them actually look good. But think about like if they had put half of those matches on some of these like really weak pay per views that, that took place that were headlined by like Lacey Evans and, and Baron Corbin matches throughout all this time. Um, how much more tolerable I think a lot of those shows would have been. And you kind of, you know, make SummerSlam a little, a little bit more palatable palatable too uh they plugged the big show series and then kayla went to interview daniel bryan and rowan with his career altering announcement and he just stared and walked off without saying a word yeah this was it this was the announcement or like so they're they're just gonna keep teasing what daniel bryan has to say until he has some big reveal jerry lawler's in the ring for the king's court big standing ovation for lawler um he thanks Memphis and then introduces Trish Stratus and he comes out. Corey Graves puts over her Instagram. Then Lawler put over her Instagram and noted that she was on vacation at her cottage and therefore she missed the raw reunion and mentions Kelly Kelly becoming the first female 24 seven champion. And Lawler said there were so many legends backstage and they were all talking about having one more match. So Trish do you want to have one final match? And the crowd chants, one more match. And she says, WWE is in my blood, but I'm a mom now. And this just felt like it was, um, it just felt like this was step one. The Charlotte promo last week should have been step two. And it just seemed like, why are you here, Trish? Like, why why have you flown all the way to Memphis to talk about a theoretical match? <laughs> 
it just felt really clunky at the beginning. Like we all know what this is going towards. And it's it's just like we have to get through these pleasantries, but it's like, what is the premise of her being on this show as Jerry Lawler's invited guest? Like, was this segment just gonna end if no one interrupted and say, I'm a mom now? Yeah, okay. See ya, Trish. Now you can go back on your vacation. Or I think Charlotte should have like directly made the challenge last week and Trish simply comes out here to answer it on King's Court. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. maybe like last week it was just it was so clear, like what they were directing you towards and then announcing, well, Trish is coming here um, anyway. So Charlotte comes out and she did a great promo here. She says, how can the greatest female superstar of any era not be on SummerSlam? She made fun of Trish. She says, there's lots of performers here that are parents. It's just an excuse. And she makes the challenge to Trish at SummerSlam so that she can beat her in her hometown and says that the women have evolved and they no longer need models shaking their assets. And Trish knows that she can't hang with her, tells her, get out of my ring, get in your minivan, and go back to changing diapers. I thought Charlotte was great here. She had some great lines. Yeah. Um, you know, her... I don't love her, like, kind of over-enunciating promo style. But I, I, I do, like, you know, concede that it gives her, like, a unique and confident voice. And I thought she really carried this segment well. Trish says she respects Charlotte, but right now you're being a bitch. And there would be no trail for her to blaze without her, Lita, Jazz, Jacqueline, Ivory, and Beth Phoenix. And Charlotte, you should know this. To be the woman, you've got to beat the woman. And she accepts the match. Mm-hmm. I thought got- this was good. I, I like yeah. Trish's response at the end. I, I just thought the, the premise of the buildup at the beginning was just... It was just a little awkward. It was also mm-hmm. like, Trisha's, have you ever thought of having one last match? It's like, she's been around. Like, she's been doing matches over the last year. Uh, but anyway, it was it was well done by she, the end of it. She hasn't had a singles match. Well, it, it's not like this is some crazy request. I mean, we've seen her in the ring. She was scheduled for a singles match. But yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah um, I, I wonder if like a segment like this might have been originally intended for the reunion, you know, would have made a lot more sense for Trish to yes. simply appear there. Right? Totally. Maybe, so, maybe that was a legit reason that she yeah. couldn't make the raw reunion because this would have been a, a good segment to do that on. There's a natural reason why Trish is on the show as opposed to this, where, why are you in Memphis? Just cause cottage season in Canada <laughs> is sacred. It's, like, it is wonderful. It's really difficult for people to give up. So I totally respect that from Trish. Dude, that was, that was Brett's reason. He was not showing up for the Raw reunion because the weather is beautiful in Calgary and he yeah. didn't want to miss it. We don't so get good much for of him. It. We don't get good much of him. it. So we, we, we really can't leave. You know, I honestly, I did have my doubts uh, about whether or not like Trish could have kind of pulled off like, I guess the emotional type of promo that we, 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 we haven't really seen from her in a very long time. I feel like last time even we saw her in a speaking role, it wasn't really required that she had to emote that much. So being out of it for so long, I mean, I'm sure it's kind of like starting from scratch again. But I thought she sounded great here with the few lines that she had. It was a well-written promo with good lines. The line about her, uh, about there being no trail to blaze without her and her uh, compatriots, I thought was really good. I also loved the uh, to be the woman, you got to beat the woman line. And I thought Trisha's delivery was really strong. So by the end of it, it had the feel of a big, big attraction. This was a good segment. Feels like a special match for SummerSlam. It's the right place to do it. I think I think Trish gets a lot of attention in Toronto, and I'm 
curious to see like how much media she gets onto here in Toronto to push the show. And I think ultimately it's it's going to be a match people are into. It'll feel special. And Charlotte probably gets a great win coming out of this. And I think it could be really well done. I think this is probably going to be one of the – I don't think it's going to be the best match on the show. but I think, I think it'll it's, be a hot match. I think so too. I yeah. think this is going to get over 100%. Um, the OCR backstage, they referred to Charlotte as a good sister. And then they talk about how so, many times so is they, she in the OC now? Uh, I guess so. The original Charlotte. Hmm. Good uh, Charlotte. Good Charlotte. Yes. Uh, she's uh, AJ asks how many times he's got to beat up Ricochet. They do their clunky catchphrase. The original, the only, the the OC. And they plug AJ and Kofi tonight. Mm-hmm. Are you, are are you do you have different uh, any further opinions about the name the OC? Mm, it's 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 still a weird one for me. Yeah. Do you like it? Well, it's brief. It's easy to say. I think gradually I'll, I'll get the song out of my head. Um, but for now, whatever. Firefly Funhouse segment. Ramblin' Rabbit Rabbit is big Finn Balor's biggest fan. Uh, they mixed in some highlights here, but Balor made a big mistake because now the fiend is unleashed and they showed shots of Bray taking out Mick Foley. And then Bray appears in the Firefly Funhouse with this creepy music and he does this maniacal laugh. And watching this, I guarantee you this guy had, was influenced by the heel doink because it was like uncanny, like the laughter and playing like this, this kid's character. Mm. I've never put them together before, but it yeah. really hit me watching this, like the connection to, to doink, like this, this clown that you knew was evil on the inside. And oh, the, the doink character, it was really goofy, but the heel version of it, it was like really well played. I think when it originally started, it was, it was really not that goofy. Like, it yeah, was it was scary. like, but when he beat the shit out of Crush with that fake arm. That was a heavy duty angle in '92. For sure, they did that. I'm really. Cu- I would be curious to know if if that was actually an influence, or you know, I'm sure like he could have taken the influence from a lot of different sources as well. But uh, you know, it, we wondered if if the end of the Firefly Funhouse segments uh, would have would have uh, if they would have ended with um, uh, I guess the um, the his debut, and they haven't. Like it seems like backstage these have these are going to replace bray's old darkroom promo so he's thank god given up the rent to uh alistair black <laughs> alistair black moved yes. in, and uh bray has instead moved into the firefly funhouse which is a way nicer place you know um these aren't produced as like the same way as like the the ones that we saw in the past this was likely set up backstage at tv they're produced a lot quicker probably without as much uh, as many elements um but they serve a purpose. They're a lot more visual than his old promos, and they they remind you of of whatever program he's got going on. Yeah, I I I think that they've done such a great job with these so far. Mm-hmm. Um, I it's it's revived this guy's entire career. Yeah, I think he's been great. These segments have been great. And well, we haven't seen like, the match I, yet. I think I think a lot of it depends on on his in ring performance because if it's like the Fiend's really cool. But if it's like yep. a thir- twenty minute match, that's just boring. It could kill the it character. Won't yeah, well, it won't be. It won't be. We'll see. Like, how do you? I think it should be short. You're right. Yeah. How do they incorporate the lights and all that stuff? You know, because right now it's still so mysterious. It's like the same thing with the demon. You know, like when we're just talking about the entrance. Yeah, the demon's really cool. But once the lights are on and the match is there, 
How do they make it seem special? How do they make it seem as mysterious? Uh, they recap the Lesnar attack on Rollins, and they don't have a medical update on Seth Rollins because he has requested no details be released. He's playing the HIPAA card. No, no news about <laughs> his health. And yeah. they, uh, <laughs> this was the best. So the announcers start to theorize, well, what if this means Seth can't compete at SummerSlam? And then they segue, one person that would know is Seth Rollins' girlfriend, Becky Lynch. And she's got a match at SummerSlam against Natalia. Like, dude, they are doing goddamn, like, uh, it's got to be a They are stretching to just try and force this label in there. Like, it's so unnecessary. Like, they're clearly doing this stuff just uh, to purposely annoy them. Beat you over the head with it. I don't know. But this was a Like, this was so unnecessary. It wasn't even the plug, like, she's coming up next. It was just a lone matchup board for SummerSlam to remind you of this match. Like, it wasn't even, we're going through the SummerSlam card. It was a non sequitur on the show. Totally. Yeah. Um, I I don't know. I don't know. If I were them. Masters of subtlety. If I were them, I would, like, just break up, tell them we broke up, (laughs) and then continue seeing each other privately. Just like, just so that they could stop, you know, embarrassing us. It's like you telling your parents, oh, I'm dating so-and-so. And and they're like, hey, like your parents at every instance when they see, you know, your family members and and their friends. Oh, my son, this is my son and his girlfriend. Aren't they cute? But except it's on a national stage. I'm sure they don't like this at all. Well, we know they don't like this. Dolph Ziggler, Finn Balor. uh, Ziggler came out and Phillips said, I can't believe that stunt that Dolph pulled coming out to Shawn Michaels' music last night. Just disgusting. Yeah, yeah it's... <laughs> On the same show where Seth Rollins was nearly murdered, it was Dolph Ziggler coming out to Shawn's music that well, raised the ire of Tom Phillips. I mean, like I said, it's like Shawn all of a sudden, like in one week, is like supposed to be some type of untouchable deity that... You're not supposed to say the name of. You're not supposed to, um, you know, uh, maybe uh, dress up as or or even walk out to the music to. I, I, uh, listen, I, I don't know one way or the other, but I think your theory is pretty sound that Sean was probably a stand-in for somebody. I wonder who the stand-in would have been if that's that's the case, you know? And would they have had a connection to, to Goldberg? Listen, that would Man, if it was Austin... Like, if it was Austin getting attacked? I mean, I don't know if Austin would go for it, but... I can't imagine Austin would have been put in that role with Dolph Ziggler. Right. I just can't see that happening. Yeah, I probably can't see it either. And uh, and who knows with, with Austin... Like, seriously, with Austin, like, it's... Like, he had spinal stenosis. I, I don't know if he would be a guy that would be cleared to... to uh, under their system, mm-hmm. like we know, Edge isn't taking anything, and it's it's pretty similar. I guess I'm trying to think of somebody who's like beloved, and like to the point where you would buy that Finn Balor would be so outraged that Dolph Ziggler attacked this guy and Seth. Mick Rollins. Foley's like, guys, guys, I can only do so many angles. I mean, pick your guy. Yeah. I can't do them all. Yeah, that's true. It's like Sid. Yeah. <laughs> Man, Balor getting revenge for Sid. Uh, Rollins getting revenge for Sid. I think that'd be great. Oh, and we Sid, Sid versus Dolph at SummerSlam oh, yeah. headline. Getting to hear oh. Sid's music again, like Dolph Ziggler coming to Sid's music, that'd be worth it alone. Could you imagine Dolph coming out to Sid's music with the vest and all the water over his head, and he's just blinking incessantly? I just want to see Dolph try a Sid loud, quiet, loud promo. <laughs> oh my God, this this is awesome! Yeah. 
It's going to be so great. This is what I want to see on the next Miz and Misses when Dolph is on. So uh, Balor avoids the famous early. Ziggler hits one for a two count. Ziggler calls for the sweet chin music. It's cut off with the sling blade. And then foot stomp, clothesline Ziggler to the floor. The lights go out. One thing really noticeable, when the lights go out, this whole arena started buzzing. They knew what it meant, and I think they, they were really into the Bray character. Mm-hmm. He walks out with the mask on, but then the lights go out again, and when the lights appear, Bray has disappeared. Balor's distracted, eats the sweet chin music, and Ziggler wins in three minutes. This was a rare distraction finish. I, I didn't mind that much because of where it's going. I think the crowd really got into Bray's character more so than I thought, just from the lights going out. Um I, I didn't I didn't love this, but I didn't hate it like I would typically. I completely agree with you. You know what? It was a distraction finish that I did not dislike at all. I think I think unlike, you know, seeing like okay, unlike hearing a, a person's entrance music or seeing like something on a screen, like this fiend has been built up so well to be so scary and so mysterious that I think all of us... You should be distracted. You should be thrown completely off because he's this maniac. It's also the lights going out. You're hearing these weird noises. Like, I don't know how much more of a distraction it could be. So uh, the finish I also enjoyed too. You know, puts the heat on the Fiend, builds up Ziggler's own credibility for whatever SummerSlam match he's got going on. Uh, The match was really not much, but I thought it was successful in building up both programs. Then we had Shinsuke Nakamura and Ali. No mention of their Smackville match on the weekend. Yeah, no mention of Smackville at all. It didn't even exist, which I think tells you when they do these specials, like that's that's the priority you should put them in. I mean, if you yeah. if you get a kick out of watching WWE house show matches, great, but they they're non-canon. They mean, you know, mm-hmm. they're just they're just it's matches. That's it. Um, very quick match here. They had to like race through this. Ali came out of the gate with a drop kick and a suicide dive, I think within five seconds of the match. Uh, then there's a sidestep, and Ali goes into the corner. He comes back with the rolling face buster, but then gets pulled off of the turnbuckle. The Kinshasa gets stopped by an Ali super kick. He sets him up into the corner, and he goes up to the top, and I've never really thought of this, but Ali has not been on TV like super prevalently over the last little while. But him going up to do a 450 now, it feels less impressive when you got the guy doing the 630 on the other show. I suppose so. Um, I, st- I still think it's pretty special, but I-, I can see what you mean. We've also seen it more, um, but it's still cool. You know, I think a shooting star press is still cool. I think the inverted 450 is pretty cool. Right. But he just does the – here he was just doing the regular 450. Right. Uh, then he ducks another Kinshasa, tries for the roll-up, then takes DDT – Nakamura goes for yet another Kinshasa, and Ali gets out of the way and rolls up Shinsuke Nakamura, does his best Toriano here, and wins in two minutes and 18 seconds. All that that I just went through, two minutes and 18 seconds. So Ali gets the win in the non-title match and throw another log onto the fire for this never-ending SummerSlam bonfire that we may be getting on August 11th. You know, they have a lot of programs to build up in a short amount of time, and that means short matches to get to those programs. Um, and probably short matches to get through them at SummerSlam. Like, this, is, this ain't getting a lot of time at SummerSlam, would I be know. my guess. Yeah, yeah, I I, I don't see it. Um, so maybe Smackville is, is the match that you guys need to go back to watch. I, I Yeah, you know, it's... it's it look, Last week, it, it did not seem apparent that they were going back to this program at all. Like you had Ali cutting a promo about wanting to be a world champion and Nakamura was off doing something else, wasn't he? Um, 
who who was Nakamura targeting last week? Um, was it? It escapes me okay, right now. Whatever. But yeah, picking this back up, sure. Why not? Yeah, I almost like they, they got so many programs going on, and I feel they're most of them are all going to end up on this show. I wouldn't mind like just hold off on some of them. You know what I mean? Like you, I don't know. It just seems like it's going to be tons of matches, and inevitably. Stuff gets cut. Oh, it was it was Apollo Cruz. It was like Nakamura, right. Kinshasa, and Apollo Cruz multiple times, and Woods and Biggie were asking where his friends were. That's right, and any and he pinned Cruz last week. Yeah, yeah, right. So I guess that was not meant to be anything. That was it. That was it for Apollo. Then they go to this pre-produced feature called "Inside the Mind of the Viper." This would have been really funny in the mid two thousands when this guy was a maniac. He says it all started in 2009, him and Kofi. And by that time, Randy had already been the Intercontinental World WWE Champion, listed off all the top names he had faced, won the Royal Rumble, main evented WrestleMania, and all he had to do was be himself. Kofi Kingston did not have that luxury. And all of this is uh, supported with B-roll here. He had to pretend to have a Jamaican accent and be the fun guy. And, you know, somewhere, no way Jose was watching this and thinking, one day, one day. <laughs> and then I I thought this was so awesome. Yeah. They used the famous stupid clip of Randy chastising Kofi in the middle of one of their matches. I thought this was awesome. I mean, this that clip, the stupid, stupid, stupid thing, has really kind of grown in in wrestling internet lore uh, ever since it happened way back when. And here, and then grew when, when Kofi did it to Randy not all that long ago. It was like yeah. a joke on it. Yeah. It was rekindled so, here. And they, yes. I mean, Orton and the writers in this, this particular, like they, I, I was wondering when they initially kind of uh, hinted at this program, whether how much they would like bring back the past in particular things like this. They like, they're diving right into that history, including, you know, I, I would consider pretty memeable or like you know like a pretty popular i think little uh subtle thing that um th- this was really smart to it, it even if you don't know the the context it works it's 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 just a throwaway line in here of this guy just calling the guy stupid like it works fine and if you know the backstory it's that much more can, rewarding can you so explain the back- thought of this can you explain the backstory briefly for somebody who, who kofi might? like blew a spot in a match and it was randy just having a tantrum in the ring calling him stupid yeah um, yeah, I can't clip, remember the, the exact the clip, spot. The clip's up there. Yeah, so. you can find it very easily. I mean, this is a really famous clip. But yeah, whoever thought of this, I thought, great idea to to incorporate this. I thought it was really, really smart. And then we cut to Randy, who's oh. saying, Kofi Kingston is stupid for thinking he can hang with me. Okay, the best line, though, he says, when you piss me off, you get sent right to the bottom of the ladder. Which has multiple meanings. And, you know, again, like, it's a line that makes very subtle reference to the reality of the situation, or at least what the internet thinks is the reality of the situation that Kofi, or that Randy Orton, after, you know, this Kofi Kingston push, decided to bury Randy Orton politically backstage. But it also, like, works in kayfabe. When you piss me off, you get set right back to the bottom of the ladder. Like, because I beat you, and you have to start your career back from the bottom again. So... I love that line. I loved all this stuff. Somewhere, Mr. Kennedy was, was could have popped up here when he uh, a few people have dumped been. Randy on his shoulder. It's not a uh, he was Randy was not happy about that one either. Um, and 
justified as well, too. Uh, so he goes over injuring Ali with the stomp and then Kofi getting his spot and gain that chance because of him. Kofi Kings, uh, Kofi mania is because of him and it's based off of a fluke and luck. So I, I like this feature a lot. I thought this was great. Yeah. This is all this program needed on this show. Uh, Randy's involvement, just a nice pre-produced package. And I'm looking forward to the match too. I think they're going to have a really good match at SummerSlam as well. I think the audience will be really hot because of packages like this. Hopefully in ring it delivers. Um, but this was an excellent video package. It was an excellent story that was told. Randy Orton is so good here. To me, like, when given the chance, he can be your, like, Thanos-like level of villain. You know, the boss who is, like, the boss's boss. That slow-talking, kind of methodical, like, totally unpredictable type of uh, uh, talking. And I think for Kofi, it's, like, it's a huge step up in, like, uh, adversary from the likes of, like, Dolph Ziggler and Kevin Owens. And then, like, after this segment, this incredible video, they crossfade right to Kofi Kingston backstage, continuing to do goofy shit, swiveling his hips with the New Day, with pancakes stuffed down his pants. And to me, like, I, to me, it signals that I would love if Orton beats Kofi. And that it would force Kofi to make a major character shift. To finally get rid of the silliness and evolve to his next form. Because to me, the Ooh. contrast here between like Orton and how serious he was and Kofi swiveling his hips with pancakes was way more apparent. I like it. I I think that there's something to be said of like Kofi in a chase position. Kind of yeah. what we talked about. If Had Lesnar cashed in on Kofi. Randy, I, I think Randy, there's great utilization of Randy Orton. I think he, I think he gets a lot of criticism and I think some of it is unfair. Because I think when he is really dialed in, I think he's a really effective heel. And I, and I expect that these two should have a, a pretty good match as well on yeah. top of it. And you could pro- progress this. I hope this isn't just a three-week program. I hope no. they extend it. Yeah, I think you can carry it all the way to Summer Sl- or Survivor Series. Kayla was with the New Day, as you mentioned. And Woods mentions it's Happy Golden Girls Day. And E and Woods took turns doing promos. And it ended with Kofi saying SmackDown is no longer the house that AJ built, but the palace of positivity. Yes. So, t-shirt. Kofi Kingston, AJ Styles, non-title. We've got the OC out there. We've got the New Day out there. Starts off, uh, Kingston hits a spinning drop kick off the turnbuckle. Styles and Duck the Trouble in Paradise very early on. And then a clothesline sends AJ to the floor. And as Kingston goes for the dive, Anderson and Gallows get in the way. And Styles drills Kofi with a knee to the face off the apron and sends him into the timekeeper's area as we go through the commercial. Uh, throughout the night, we should mention that they've been promoting that Roman Reigns will announce his SummerSlam challenge. And... We cut to the back, and Kayla is waiting in the interview area for Roman Reigns as we've got, like, six minutes left in the show. Kingston hits a tornado DDT off the top. He's fighting back. Trouble in Paradise gets blocked. AJ attempted a Ushigoroshi, but then Kofi lands on his feet, hits the SOS, only gets a two-count, and then there's a splash onto the back, and as Styles looks to be done, Gallows pulls him to the floor. New Day confronts Gallows and Anderson. Styles... Uh, hits a forearm strike to Kofi from the floor. They continue to fight. Kofi nails everyone with a trust fall. And then as he goes for a springboard into the ring, he's caught on the shoulders of AJ for the Ushigoroshi while the teammates are all brawling on the floor. And as AJ goes for the phenomenal forearm, 
Kofi hits him with a trouble in paradise in midair, pinning AJ. Uh, crowd really popped for the finish here. Um, yeah. Really and cool. AJ spot. takes the fall. Yeah, it was a very cool finish. I almost think, like, man, this that could have been saved for something. But that was our TV main event tonight. I thought a, a really hot crowd, satisfying main event to close the show. Um, AJ taking the pinfall, maybe not, you know, anybody's first choice. I don't really think it hurts him that much, though. It's it's still AJ Styles. Um, they had no time here. Like they were like two, what two minutes left in the broadcast. Before? It was yeah. It was like you were really cutting it thin here to time this out to do the final angle. Yeah. Um. Yeah. The match was was fine. Do you see them doing something with both? Because we have both sets of tag champions here uh, on mm-hmm. the floor. Do you see it being something involving both um, sets of tag champions? Uh, they, they've teased a bunch of stuff now because um, Usos. You know, you got you got Gallows and Anderson with the with the Usos and Revival on Raw. They're doing stuff with the New Day here, so I, I don't know what it's going towards. If it's going to be some giant cluster with all the tag teams, I don't know. It's just something kind of... tells me that that this was maybe just done for the sake of a TV uh, main event and not necessarily something to to lead to a bigger program. Um. I, I would tend to think like the, the, the tag teams would go with more like the tag tag team challengers from their own shows. But in the case of the New Day, I don't even think they would they would be on the show. They don't even have opponents like set yeah. up. Like maybe they're just gonna be in Kofi's corner or, or something. It's fine. Yeah, that's the you don't need all the tag titles to be defended on this show. I I'm fine with that. So Kayla says that Roman Reigns is on his way as the countdown is on to the show going off the air. And he is showing just casually walking backstage towards the interview area. And you knew trouble was a brewing way when we had multiple camera cuts uh, of Roman walking. (laughs) And he's walking by as this giant metal truss falls down onto Roman. And we get the perspective of the of the thing falling onto Roman and then Roman flat on his back underneath this thing. It was the goofiest thing you've ever seen. Oh, Kayla's man. totally oh, different dude, this... from, from the way they presented the Lashley Strowman stunt with the led board. Yeah. Like where that was like, that, that was one specific angle that they shot it from. And then they cut to a wide angle that was like not focused on anything at all here. You caught this stunt, this supposedly surprise um, thing. Nobody saw coming from like five different angles. Everyone's going crazy. It's like you've got the camera down on the floor to just see everyone running. And this was weird. It's like it's fallen onto him. Everyone's concerned. Roman is out of harm's way in no time. He's just up. He's completely fine. And then you hear the crowd chanting Joe. And I don't think they were chanting for Joe Anawahi here. And they want to check on him. Roman doesn't want to be checked on. And he just walks off. And that's how the show ended. I thought this was like a really weird ending to the show. I I really liked this episode of SmackDown, but this was like a really strange ending. And I, I didn't really like it at all. I mean, it was, it was you know, set up to be a really big surprising moment and, and something to, to set up a mystery for the, the coming week. Um, and Coming week? Like, they've got to settle this next week. They do, yeah. Uh, who do you, any guesses? Like, this audience seems to think it's Samoa Joe. Is it, I feel like we've already just we just saw that he beat Joe Clean, didn't he? Yes. Yeah. I feel that would be too obvious. And then I mean, go through who are your main guys that you could see Roman working with? Um, they've done Drew McIntyre, they've done uh, Elias. Um, mm-hmm. 
the major people unaccounted for are Daniel Bryan and Joe. Um, like that to me is kind of your your short list of people that you could envision working with uh, Roman, unless it's someone completely different. Yeah, yeah. Um, Saint Zane and Black are taken up right now. They're taken up. Well, audience, what do you think? Let us know. That was SmackDown. Uh, as I said, I I overall, I, re- I really liked this show. I thought that there was a lot that they had on this show. Um, it, it moved very well. And I kind of liked off the top. Like, they listed all the stuff that was planned for the show, and it was all, you know, relatively important stuff and the build for SummerSlam. Uh, it's, it's a lot of build for SummerSlam because that card is really starting to mount. But uh, what did you feel about the show? I liked SmackDown as well. You know, again, like, I think the difference in, in the commercial break system – uh, lifting that whole edict has has really helped the inner quality of these shows. Uh, I also think that they managed to be to build a, a a good number of programs towards SummerSlam. So for the most part, I think they their SummerSlam looks to be in good shape with with some like pretty like good logical storytelling. All right, well that was SmackDown. Um, let's go to the feedback. Yes, let's check out the feedback and see what everyone had to say about this show. I uh, we had what uh, like a six point four, I think, for Raw, if I'm not mistaken. I think this is going to top it. That'd be my guess. A five. This did not. Yeah. Not as a. I wonder if that's a residual effect of the closing angle, or well, we'll find out when we read these comments. Uh, I think you and I like this show more than most on the forum. Paul from New Jersey writes: I actually like Shane's promo. Funny how he came on the show to announce he wouldn't be on the show. KO and McIntyre was excellent, and I'm not angry at the clean loss for Drew. Build him up later. Charlotte and Trish sounded great. Looking forward to that match at about 8.45 Eastern with the countless preview of upcoming segments. I there, there was no friggin' I knew there was no friggin' way the women's tag champions were making the show. Weren't Sonya and Mandy supposed to challenge for the championships? Uh, yes, uh, we went over that. So that is, um, they at least addressed it on the website. But yeah, clearly got scrapped. Andrew from Cape Breton says, so I knew, so I know there has been a problem with SmackDown for months where things are announced and then changed. And tonight may have been the worst example. It shows how little they value the show. And it's at the point where it's foolish to plan anything for SmackDown week to week. That being said, they had the best segment between both Raw and SmackDown with Randy Orton's promo and Kofi Kingston. Just with promos, Orton and Kingston now have the best built match towards SummerSlam. Everything else was okay tonight. Week to week storytelling is going to be a little rough, but hopefully this trend ends when they're forced to get the numbers on Fox. Four out of ten. Jay from Colorado. So I read earlier that Vince frantically rewrote the show today, and the ending of the show definitely reflected that. It was so out of place and awkward, it just completely threw off the vibe. I kept thinking those EMTs were going to jump Roman, and then it just ended. Like, what was that? Cliffhangers, for the purpose of cliffhangers, never work out well. I hope they have a plan for this. Even Roman looked confused. We go to Brandon from Oshawa, finally, who says, Forget who shot JR. The big new mystery is who tried to murder Roman Reigns. I really hope they have a plan for this. Maybe have multiple attempts at taking him out. Multiple suspicious people. I love the Aleister Black mystery on NXT, and it's time for the main roster to have a good mystery. Well, that... I don't think you're going to get the long build-up yeah. that Aleister Black had. I think this is going to be something that's revealed next week, because... Roman Reigns needs an opponent for SummerSlam, and we have two shows left. Yeah. So maybe you'll get a night-to-night uh, mystery. Um, and 
really, like, what was the consequence of this all? The guy was fine and walked away from it. Like, there wasn't well, a whole lot of I, sympathy to I it. I think the idea is that they didn't want uh, something as severe enough to take him out for next week's show because he has to be there uh, probably on Monday, really. Like Seth Rollins? Well, we'll see about Rollins, right? Um, I don't think Rollins should wrestle at all. I I barely think he should even appear, but he needs to appear. So, um, they... I, and, and I think with Roman, they they want to avoid that criticism when he does inevitably inevitably appear on Monday. The 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 act was heinous, yet he does not suffer the consequences. But he still wants to get revenge. All right, um, I did mention on on Monday that I was uh, going to try and listen to the uh, the Steve Austin podcast with Hulk Hogan, and I did listen to uh, the show. Really, no news coming out of it. I would say if you want to just hear. Hulk Hogan tell Hogan stories. That's what it is. I think you can take some of it with a grain of salt. I'm sure there's truth in there as well, but it's also Hulk Hogan that I think, you know, you know what you're getting with, with Hulk Hogan as so, well. So they did not get into any of the controversies of his life. Nothing, nothing like that. No. So mm-hmm. it really wasn't like a, like a news interview. It was more so just hanging. What out. was it like working with this guy? I mean, Austin's a very good interviewer and Hogan loves to talk and, uh, the, the varying degree of uh, truthfulness is probably to be disputed because this is Hulk Hogan after all. That's disappointing because I feel like, you know, um, Austin, to me, like as an interviewer, has kind of built up a reputation for somebody who can kind of like dig through the dirt or not to dig out the dirt, but to like, you know, cut the bullshit and to like get to the heart of the matter that I think a lot of people are actually interested in. Um, the fact that we didn't get that seems like a wasted opportunity. I'm just looking at my notes here. Uh, Hogan went over his injuries having his right knee scoped four times, his left knee scoped four times, then he had both knees replaced, both hips replaced, nine back surgeries, and that's what officially ended his career. And now he's starting to get arthritis. But then he ended it by saying, but I'm doing good. Yeah, I, I guess all things considered. He, um, he told some wild stories, um, including that he's recently had some stem cell surgeries And he had been going down to Mexico for these surgeries. And he casually mentions that he nearly died on the table uh, in Mexico doing one of these because the cells are soaked in this uh, thing called DMSO, um, this this substance. And it turns out Hogan's allergic to DMSO and said that he nearly died. So now he does these stem cell surgeries in Tampa. Um, Jeez. Yes. Uh, he talked a lot about breaking into the business, who influenced him. I mean, he, I mean, he's very open about the fact he stole from a lot of people to come up with like the Hulk up and the ear to the crowd and lots of stuff like that. I mean, he gives a lot of credit and I think it's underappreciated. Like this guy was clearly a wrestling fan and followed a lot of these guys. Like he, you can, you can certainly, that comes through in all of this. Um, he talks about uh, maybe the most newsworthy thing was that Austin admitted that he one of the biggest regrets of his career is not sitting down with Hogan when he came back to the WWF and the two of them having the match because it would have been such a big match to do uh, around 2002. And the fact was like that Austin was the pick to do the, the WrestleMania match and wasn't interested. And it was the rock that got the match and it turned out to be an enormous success. But Austin says his two biggest regrets are walking out that year during the whole Lesnar thing and not, eventually doing the match with Hogan because he physically could have done it and they probably should have done the match because it would have been really big. Interesting. Interesting. Like to think about um, that, like 
the crowd would have still like imagine okay if it was Austin at WrestleMania 18 instead of a uh, Rock, um, the crowd would have still like went nuts for Hogan. Do you think that they would have booed Austin like they did? They booed the Rock. I don't think it would have been as one sided as it was that night at the Sky Dome. I think that Austin would have had. Uh, I, I don't think Austin would have been booed to the degree that the uh, that the Rock was. Like the, the Rock, you could see like there was that that easy ability. Like here's the younger guy and. Like, Hogan is just a legendary figure. I don't know if Austin would have got it as much. And who's to say if Austin and Hogan necessarily would have had the same dynamic Hogan and Rock did that night? Mm-hmm. Um, like, it was so much... It really wasn't the match. It was the crowd reacting to these larger-than-life stars. I feel Austin and Hogan would have had that. Yeah. But it was... Um, you know, it's... It was those two... It was a big what-if at the time. Like, that would have been a big match. And I've always said, like, Austin's last match was WrestleMania 19. The next night... Goldberg debuts. It's like they literally missed each other by one day. Yeah. Uh, and just had that, had you been able to do that match uh, at that WrestleMania, Goldberg and Austin, I think that would have been just so huge. Yeah. A lot of what ifs. Well, I mean, what, um, one of those guys is still active. That's true. Yeah. One of them, one of them can still, uh, technically, uh, wrestle. So, that will uh, bring in a close to the show, but Way and I will be back on Wednesday with Ask Away for all members of the Post Wrestling Cafe, so you can tune into that. Check that out. Thursday, we're live with the Cafe Hangout. Rich Kreich is going to be joining us from Voices of Wrestling to chat all the latest news involving the G1, uh, and we'll have a G1 show out on Thursday as well, following the show in Fukuoka. Yeah, as well, up next on Thursday, uh, Cruel Summer this weekend, in the latest edition of the Rocky My Via Picture Show, with Marcus Vanderberg, uh, Mike Mills, talking about Gridiron Gang with Nate Milton. That's up on the post-wrestling feed as well, which is now blazing fast, super fast. So fast, you just, you blink and you'll miss your the, the download. It's it's just like, it's that blazing fast. So go check it out. Yes, uh, and I highly recommend the Gridiron Gang review. I really enjoyed that. I listened to that on Saturday. Uh, it was great. Have you seen the movie? I haven't seen the movie, so I was totally going based on them. Uh, the reaction when they discuss like this heart to heart that Dwayne Johnson's character in the movie has with one of the football players, and <laughs> you contrast Mike Mike's reaction as a father to Marcus's reaction, who has not had his child yet. Unbelievable! It was just awesome. Two two contrasting emotions and reactions to this heart to heart speech. <laughs> so Lovely. check that out. It's great stuff. Uh, Nate does a great job every month with that show. So. Give him some love. All right. Thank you to everyone, and we will speak with you later on this week.